Man. Hi, dog. You can always count on us to test your speaker level. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's coming off of the intro and, you know, it's not like a That's play. true. Woo! That, yeah. Woo! <laughs> they get a little bit of an ease into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of easing into it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where do we go from here, Chase? <laughs> You can do it. Well, we kind of, like, we told them last week where we're going. That's true. Uh, no surprises I, here. I know that people just wait and listen to, like, four of these in a row because mm-hmm. they're so short Boom, 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 boom. We do have yeah. a lot of binge listeners. Uh, we do, actually. They yeah, listen like, to hour-long episodes on binge? Yeah. Well, they're like, man, I was driving up to Oxford the other day. I had to start oh, for the game. That and makes I just, sense. You know, knocked sense. out two episodes in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just impressed that somebody would want to listen to me for that long. I, I agree. Just, I agree. But it is, it's a thing. Yeah, they just got to get the outside the box. Well, if you think yeah. about it, people who are involved with CrossFit are used to doing difficult things and yeah. kind of attracted to that. So listening to you pontificate on mm. colorization of film, yeah, that's, I mean, that's cakewalk for them. Listen, someone has to be a nerd, and I'm happy to do it. Uh, Own just, it. We got too much uh, false macho on this podcast, so I'm trying to... <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, Hunter. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I miss Chris. Uh, all right. Uh, training. Training. Yeah. Training. Part, part, part two. Of training. Do part. it. Short the episode. Full, the, the full length version. Training. So many God, pitfalls. I love training. Yeah. You love training. Yeah. So many pitfalls. Uh, so many ways to make it work for you. So many ways it can work against you. That's so right. many ways to make it work you. Make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's write a book. Here's what I'm going to, no, not recommend yet. So we're going to talk about training and all the different variations and all the things that you run into as you enter into so many different phases of your training. I'm sure we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But you start off with kind of one thing and then you move to another and then the wheels come off the bus and you readjust. And so there's just a lot to it. And for people who are, we're encouraging people to not just train for an event or train for a thing but to adopt training as a way of life, then we've got the longevity piece in here. you got to think about that. So mm-hmm. we're basically just going to pick Hunter's brain on um, – admittedly, Hunter, you've talked about a lot on this podcast that you made a lot of training mistakes uh, through your sports career, uh, then you know some, coll- some stuff during the collegiate time of your sports career, mm-hmm. then getting into uh, CrossFit, being a competitor there. So – we're actually going to learn from Hunter's uh, Hunter's mistakes, which that's a fun fun way to pitch this episode. Let's do it. <laughs> but uh, we, these are common mistakes that we all make, yeah. uh, and we're trying to prevent our client base at Cody Fitness from having to learn these the hard way. Mm-hmm. That's the goal here. So, yeah, I think so. Where do you want to start? Um, I think first we could start with um, what what we think you should be doing when you're training, um, and that could be. Um, we can just kind of talk about why we do what we do in the gym. And then I think we could talk about how you do it and we could kind of, kind of do the second half that way. But first we could start with what you're doing and why we do what we do at the gym compared to maybe what you might go to a, like a global gym as we call it and see people doing, or, Mm -hmm. you know, different types of other training facilities and why we prioritize doing what we do and, um, and I think we've all, I would say most people that come in Coyote have done some other form of training at some point in their life and they now do this and why, why they, why they chose to do that and why we chose to do it. And, you know, for me specifically, I started out doing going to, going to the Globo gym 
um, for probably 10, 15 years. Uh, also training uh, sports-specific type stuff, you know, speed and agility, um, you know, training for sports in high school and junior high and then in college, you know, whatever program they had for us. And then also I would go to the regular gym and do the the machines and the bench press and the, um, you know, the curls and the le- uh, leg extensions and the uh, leg press and all that type of stuff. I did that for years and years and years. Um, but it's once you start doing this specific type of training, which I got into CrossFit in 2010, you start to realize what you've been missing this whole time. You know, I would go, I would spend two hours at the gym pretty consistently. And, you know, you do a set and you, back then I didn't have, we, we didn't have phones to check, but you do a set and you go and talk to somebody and then you do another set and you talk to somebody, you walk over, get some water, do another set. And maybe you walk around, figure out what machine you want to do next, wait for somebody else to get off another machine. And, <laughs> you know, man, it's so funny to hear you describe this because I did a lot of those same things too. And I've been involved with CrossFit for, I think I'm in my seventh year now. Those things are a distant, you don't even graze up against Mm -hmm. that way of fitness. Uh -uh. (laughs) And, uh, it's just funny. Like, uh, when we went back, when we had a team competing and we needed to to run on this, um, this special type of treadmill, which was like a, it was a woodway. And we went to a gym, a global gym that had woodways in the back. And we, so we had to walk through like the front area where, you know, the, all the machines and everything were, and you see people just standing around the bench, the bench press talking, looking at their phone. And then we went back and did like close to an hour worth of intervals and we come back and those people are literally in the same spot doing the same thing. Like, like they hadn't even moved on from the bench machine. It's just a water cooler at this point. Yeah. And so, and they're all standing around talking and you just like it, look at all the people and they're just kind of, most people are just kind of walking around, milling around and maybe a few people are on the treadmill going slow or whatever, but. So anyways, that's kind of the background that, that I came from. I'm sure a lot of people came from. And then, you know, now there's a lot, you know, boutique gyms is, is kind of what you would, you would call Coyote and put that in that category. And there's a lot of different types of gyms like that that do boot camps where you're doing like constantly moving for 45 minutes, um, doing simple movements. And, you know, a lot of some do like a lot of jumping. Some just do like running, rowing and dumbbells and just the same thing. Um, different variation every day and that type of stuff. But why do we do what we do? Okay, so basically, um, we you know we do the CrossFit methodology, which is constantly varied functional movement at high intensity. We say relatively high intensity um, because ev- everything is relative to you uh, specifically, and what what's intense for me might not be intense for you, and vice versa. Uh, constantly varied and a lot of people do constantly varied now. Um, but that doesn't mean random. What that means is you're always doing something different. Um, to keep your body guessing. And we're all, I guess most people at this point are familiar with a plateau, um, where you do say you're, you start working out and you start doing, um, we'll just take bench press for example, cause that's what a lot of guys start off doing. You start doing bench press and maybe you're doing three sets of 10, which is pretty pretty basic for most people to start out with. And you start, man, you, you lift, you do it a couple of weeks, and then you're able to do more weight than you could before. And you're like, man, this is awesome. Lifting weights really works. And then you keep adding weight and adding weight and adding weight. And eventually maybe you get to a certain weight, and then all of a sudden you just you can't add weight anymore. And you're, you keep doing your three sets of ten every single week, but you get to the point where you're not making progress. Well, that's because your body's adapting. That's basically what you're doing when you're training is you're um, – doing something, making your body weaker, and then it adapts because you're telling it it needs to get better at this specific thing. 
And then eventually your body quits adapting when it gets used to that. So constantly varied is you have to keep giving your body a different stimulus so it'll keep adapting. So that's what we're, we're always doing something different. We're always doing different movement combinations, different lengths of workouts, different weights, different, you know, lots of different types of things. And so we're always wanting to keep the body guessing with constantly varied. Um, but that doesn't mean random. So we, everything we do is based off of what we've done last week, what we're doing next week, what we did yesterday, what we're doing tomorrow. You know, all that is taken into account. And so we're making sure we're working, you know, the different movement patterns, different body parts, different lengths, you know, lightweights, heavyweights, you know, all that type of stuff. So we're making sure and trying to make as well-rounded a, a, a athlete as possible and a person as possible. So that's the constantly varied portion of it. Functional movement is the next piece of it, and that would be uh, movements the, the body was meant to perform. And this is what we talk about when people come in and do their on-ramp. You go to a playground and watch some four- and five-year-old kids playing on the playground. What kind of movements are they doing naturally? You know, they're squatting, they're running, they're jumping, they're climbing, they're pulling, you know, that type of stuff. That's the type of movements that human bodies were meant to perform. Like uh, different types of animals have different movements that they are just naturally do. And that's what we try to focus on because that's what humans were meant to do. That's what they're, you're going to adapt to the most. Um, and then they're also going to give us the most power output. So um, when we're lifting weights, we're going to be able to lift um, more weight by doing a push press, taking the barbell from our shoulder to overhead or doing a push jerk than we would by doing a bicep curl. So our body is, we're going to be doing more work um, over a given period of time. And the more work we do, we're, our body is going to adapt to be able to do more work and therefore be able to get fitter faster doing it that way. So if we're just doing three sets of 12 bicep curls, three sets of 12 triceps extensions, you know, um, you know, that type of stuff, we're not getting a whole lot of work done, so our body doesn't have to adapt very much. Whereas if we're doing three sets of eight or four sets of eight push presses, we're, we're moving a lot of weight, a lot of a long distance over a short period of time, so our body is going to have to adapt to that, and it's going to have to get fitter to be able to do that amount of work um, in a short amount of time. Um, so we are always picking functional movements because they have the highest power output, and they're what the body was meant to perform, so we're going to be able to progress in those faster. So that's, you know, <clears throat> squatting, deadlifting, running, jumping, um, you know, lifting weights over our heads, uh, burpees, snatch, yeah, yeah, burpees, getting on the ground, getting back. Yeah, what's more functional than getting on the ground and getting back up? You know, yeah. that type of stuff, pull-ups. You know, all that type of stuff that we do is just natural movement for the body. Now, by the time most people are adults, after all the years of sitting and stuff, they are not able to do the movements as well. It's like if you go to a playground and watch a four-year-old kid squat, just about every single one of them is going to have a perfect squat for them. Like we wouldn't have to teach a kid or you don't have to teach a baby how to squat correctly. They just do it right. But as you get older and your body gets tighter, you have to relearn how to do those movement patterns correctly. So that's the functional movement piece. Um, and then the relatively high intensity. The intensity is the magic magic pill, the magic formula. That's where the results come. That's where that's what so many people fall in love with the CrossFit methodology is because it gets you results so fast because you're actually going hard, you're pushing your body to the point where it's like, oh wow, um, I really need to make a change because this 
almost kill me. And it didn't almost kill you, but your body is perceiving it. <laughs> that's as what like, you tell yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's what your body is, is perceiving. It's like, wow, that was really, really hard. I need to adapt very quickly to be able to do this in case I do have to do it again. And that's where the intensity piece comes in. And so that's why that's where the clock comes in. That's why we <clears throat> do things for time. That's why we have people go together. And, you know, you're, if you're working out next to somebody who's doing the same thing as you, you're going to go harder. I mean, anybody who's tried to do a workout at intensity by themselves understands that when you're doing it with somebody, you're going to push yourself harder. And I, I see it all the time. Like take the rower, for example, we're rowing in a workout and I can walk up behind somebody while they're rowing and just naturally their speed goes up mm-hmm. every single time, no matter how far into the workout, because yep. somebody comes up behind them and they're watching, they're like, Oh, I got to go a little bit harder. Um, their perceived exert- exertion goes down a little bit because they're thinking about somebody else watching them as opposed to just the pain they're in and all that type of stuff. So, But we say relatively high intensity because I don't, we don't want people to just kill themselves and run themselves into the ground every single day. Every day has a purpose. Every day, every person's at a different place. And so they need to be um, going at the intensity that is relative to them at that given point in time on that specific day based off of how their body feels based off how they slept last night based off the work they've done this week based off what they did yesterday in the gym you know the kids they've you know all the kids stuff they all that kids activities they did before the gym everybody's at a different place when they come in the gym so everybody's intensity is going to be different relative to them um so that's a little bit more individualized but constantly varied functional movement relatively high intensity that's kind of the formula that we're 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 trying to fill every single day at the gym. Oh, not just trying, but actually are. You yeah. know, that's that's how every, that's what holds everything together. So that's kind of the macro level. Let's talk about yeah. the micro because how we experience that as as your clients at Cody Fitness, when we walk into the door, there are things that we do. You can just bank on it. We're going to do these things. This is what a class is like. And mm-hmm. I think as we have expanded the the business and and moved into more locations. I've become more aware visiting those locations. How we do this is a little bit uncommon. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's extremely effective, uh, but some people aren't used to it, you know, and especially people who come from the Globo Gym or the last thing they remember doing was programmed by their offensive coordinator. You know, it's it's quite a shock. And if you're you're wasting a lot of calories if you're sitting there trying to figure out why we're doing these things. We can just answer those questions right now. Yeah. So maybe we could go from, you know, without diving into the reason we're doing push, we're doing a pull, we're focusing on posterior chain because we're all quad dominant. I mean, we can get to that, but let's just go through the class. If you walk in the door, you're going to experience these things over a course of an hour. Then you're going to get back in your vehicle and go home. They all have a lot of thought process behind them, starting with the mobility piece. Yeah, so we always start with mobility. Like I said earlier, most people are missing a lot of mobility through years and years of sitting. Uh, (coughs) We sit at work. We sit in the car. You know, we look at our phones, and we get – uh, our hips shorten up, our our glutes get turned off, our core gets shut off, you know, our shoulders get rounded forward, we can't access our lats. Um, and so people just get in a bad position where they can't do functional movement. And um, that's why so many people get hurt lifting, picking up a box, picking up a bag of dog food, picking up, you know. Sitting on the toilet. Yeah, yeah. getting up off the toilet, you know, putting a box up over, on a shelf. They hurt their shoulder. If you go to, uh, you know, your local uh, – 
ortho, orthopedic um, center and look around at the people that are getting surgery, getting looked at, or in pain or whatever, most of them are not athletes. Most of them are just regular people who hurt themselves and doing something in their backyard or at home or whatever because their body has gotten to the point where it can't even perform functional movements safely and efficiently anymore. And so that's why we spend so much time doing mobility. Um, Our ancestors didn't have to do mobility. They didn't need a lacrosse ball. They were constantly doing functional movements, so their body stayed fit. Like like going back to the kids example, those kids don't need to do mobility work. They're already – 100% 100% perfectly mobile. mobile. Yeah. But as you get older and they start sitting in desk and all that type of stuff, they start getting tighter. And so that's why we have to, you know, stretch. And uh, the mobility we do, we do a lot of soft tissue work, loosening up muscles that are tight. And we spend a lot of times focusing on these specific muscles that we see are, are problem areas for most people. Uh, we do the barbell trap release all the time. That's something I have to do every single day. And I tell most people, you need to do this every single day because our shoulders get rounded forward, and so in order for us to get anything overhead, we have to shrug and engage our traps. Same thing with pull-ups. We engage our traps, and so people's traps get overworked. So you have to get those to release and loosen up so we can get our shoulders back and down so we can actually externally rotate and use our lats. Um, we do the, like I said, the, t- the ball the back of the armpit, that's in the Terry's. Um, because most people are shoulders are running forward. They can't use their, our, our lats are supposed to be the strongest muscle of our upper body, but most people, um, lats are non-existent for the most part. And they overuse that small muscle right behind the armpit, which is the teres. Um, and it gets overworked because we're doing pull-ups and lifting overhead using that small muscle in, instead of the big muscle in our lats. So those two things are what we do to really work on our shoulders so we can get our shoulders back and down and use the correct muscles. I can tell you, not to interrupt you, but yeah. I, I think the one of the largest tells for me why this mobility is so important is when you see someone attempt a wall ball for the first time, all of these things come into play. Yep. Your hip mobility, the fact that you're quad dominant, the fact that you're not engaging your lats, you can just tell this is a very difficult movement for people who first get in, uh, not necessarily just because of the timing or the athleticism or even the weight of the ball. It's the range of motion. It's yep. that thruster range even, of yeah, motion. You can't even get in, a, in that range of motion. Yeah. That's why it's so hard for so many people. My son, who's 14 years old, uh, started CrossFit when he was 13. This was really difficult for him uh, because, I mean, already by 14, there's been a lot of desk sitting. There's been a lot of iPad uh, video game play, those sorts of things. And uh, so you think if you come into the gym and you're like recommitting to a fit, being fit and you're 30, uh, you've got a good 15 years, if not more, behind you of getting, as we say in the South, just really stove up. Yeah. So this mobility piece comes into play at the start of the, the workout process because it isn't just about life history. It's about the history of that day. Mm-hmm. You've most likely been staring at something in a seated position for roughly eight hours. Yeah. And now you're going to come in and try to open up. We got to wake the body up. Yeah, exactly. And going to your son's example, like he's a, he's a taller kid and all desks are the same size. So that doesn't take into account. Like some, some kids are a foot taller than other kids in class and they're all sitting in the same size desk. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Um, so the taller kids are in it, getting up even, even worse position than the shorter kids. Um, so the shoulders and then the hips. The, the hips are the other ones that we spend a lot of time on because it's the, it's the exact same thing, just farther down the body. We sit in a desk. Our hip flexors get short. That's why when we do the couch stretch, people struggle getting their back up to the wall because their hip flexors are short. 
And then they're missing a lot of internal range of motion in their hips. That's why we do the 99 stretch in the lacrosse ball in the glutes so much because they can't externally rotate and activate their glutes. That I, I joke all the time, we got to turn those glute, gluteus minimuses into maximuses, you know, <laughs> because most people, if you look at their butt, like it's non-existent. And mm-hmm. the butt is supposed to be the most powerful muscle in your body. If you see like a, a world-class athlete in a sprint or something, usually they have very, very defined large glutes. And that's because they have those muscles are worked and they've developed and they're meant to be strong and powerful for jumping and squatting and running and all that type of stuff. Um, but when we sit, we can't access those glutes. And so they don't get, you know, they don't get worked and they don't, don't get developed. And then they just get really tight and weak and our body just shortens up range of motion to protect it. So that's why we spend so much time working on the glutes. So anyways, we do all the mobility stuff to work on the, the areas that most people have issue with. And I would say 99% of our members have issues with um, unless they came from like a gymnastics background where they were stretching all the time and already you know flexible so we start off the day doing that doing the mobility on the stuff that most people need work on and then also that's going to open us up for that given day depending on what we're doing you know and then you know we talk about the workout and then we go into the warm-up which is specific to um, what we're doing that day but it's really a lot of times activating those muscles that like we talked about before, need to be activated, trying to get those lats involved, trying to loosen up those scaps, trying to get the posterior chain engaged, getting those muscles that have probably most for most likely have not been working, trying to get them warmed up and loosened. So when we actually do start doing functional movements, we will use those movements, um, use those muscles for the movements. Um, after the warm up, you know, then we do either some gymnastics work, you know, some skill work, or we do um, some strength work, or we do some Olympic lifting. Uh, whatever, whatever day, all that is designed to work on stuff that's going to give you the most bang for the buck. Like we do some push press because we're going overhead. We're going to be using pretty much every muscle in our upper body, plus our core to stabilize, plus our legs to drive overhead. Plus we're going to go through full range of motion. So it's going to help with mobility. Um, or we're going to do some back squats or front squats or deadlifts or, um, bench press or, you know, any of that type of stuff. We're doing the most, getting the movements in that, is going to give us the most bang for the buck. Because if we're trying to get the most out of an hour, we want to do the movements that are going to give us the most uh, capacity for that. Every now and then we'll do some accessory strength that will work on, you know, the smaller muscles that we don't work on in class so much. But the majority of time we're doing something that's going to be, you know, really beneficial, multiple muscle groups, give us a lot um, of strength developing in a short amount of time. Or we're doing the Olympic list, which is the snatch and the clean and jerk, which is going to help us with mobility, skill accuracy coordination um all that type of stuff explosiveness power you know those are those are great movements or or we're doing gymnastics and we're learning how to move our body through space we're learning um, body control body awareness flexibility learning new skills which is great for the brain and all that type of stuff Um, so we're doing all that first when our when we're most fresh so we can get the most out of that then we move on to the workout of the day and the workout of the day is what everybody always thinks what crossfit Cross is it, a wad yeah, yeah you yeah. know and um that's constantly that's where the constantly varied functional movement at relatively high intensity comes in um the workout is designed to be anywhere from you know eight to 12 minutes is an average length workout which most people can't realize how much damage you can do to your body in eight oh, to 12 man. minutes until oh, they God. get in there they're like you only do a workout for 10 minutes I'm like what are you getting out of that well why don't you when you actually get in here and 
discover intensity and see what that is, a lot of times 10 minutes is all you need, mm. all you want, all you need. But we know we're going to come in and we're going to run the clock and everybody's going to go together and everybody's going to push themselves as hard as they can for that given day on that specific workout. And um, you're going to get tremendous, tremendous results from it because you're going to be telling your body day in and day out, this is something new. I need to adapt to it. Um, I need to, um, you know, recover and make myself better so that the next time I do this, it doesn't hurt me as bad as it did. And then we're going to do something different the next day, and then we're going to do something different the next day, and then we're going to do something different the next day. So your body's always having to adapt and change. And so you, plateau is not a it, – it doesn't it doesn't happen because you're always doing something different. Maybe you plateau on one specific lift, but – then you're making progress on 10 other things. And so you're always improving in, in different areas. And so that's kind of where um, the workout comes into play. And like, let me re- reiterate, it's not random. It's all the part of a plan to make sure we're hitting different energy systems, different time domains, different movement patterns, different body parts, um, and constantly progressing towards something and making progress. <clears throat> and then we always finish with the cool down. And that's something so many people skip. And it's so, so important um, in helping your body to start adapting and recovering is getting your core temperature back down, getting blood flow back to the, your, your whole part of your body, um, helping your body start to recovery, stretching out those muscles that just tighten back up in the workout by opening back up so your body can recover. It's so imperative that you, you do the cool down because it's going to help you uh, jumpstart the recovery process and help you um, be recovered for the next day. And if, if you constantly skip the cool down, it, you're, it's going to you know, hinder your recovery, which is going to hinder your workout the next day, which can ultimately lead you to you know, being worn down and, and getting injured. So that's kind of the breakdown of the day. Well, uh, it's an arc. I mean, everything in there, what we're really saying here is talking about training. Everything in there matters and can be viewed as a portion of your training. Mm-hmm. So the, the people who look at it from the outside or they're thinking about getting involved with it, like, there's no way I can get the, this is typical thinking, there's no way I can get the calorie burn I need in 12 minutes. Right. There's just no way. All right, well, let's talk about calorie burn for a moment, <laughs> okay? Yeah. You're not just burning calories while you're there. You're including, you're not just death by cardio, you're doing strength training. So your body, this is why recovery comes into play. But a lot of people who, you know, throw that whoop on or they throw the, uh, the heart rate monitor on, they, they are very surprised when they get finished with an hour, this hour that we've just described, like, oh my gosh, I just burned 550 calories in this hour. It didn't feel like it, 550 calories sitting on a treadmill watching a 30-minute show. Yeah. You know, it was a very different thing. And think about all the things that you're accomplishing outside of calorie burn, uh, uh, being involved with this type of training. I mean, you are literally reprogramming your muscles and your even your skeletal system that's yep. attached to those muscles. You are reprogramming your body for one hour uh, multiple times a week. There's almost no way to measure the benefit there. Yeah. So we'll start with the the measurables. Those are extremely inaccurate. There's no. They're 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 not really very accurate as far as how many calories you're burning in a given hour. Like they're 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 not really even that close. And so you can't wear one of those and say, well, this is how many calories I burn, so I can eat 700 extra calories or whatever. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> don't don't rain on my yeah, parade, yeah. man. So number one, those are not very accurate. Number two. When you're doing high-intensity exercise, and if you hit a workout, <clears throat> say, you, say you do Fran and you set a PR, we all know that feeling of it, it, it might take you the rest of the day where you don't feel – you still feel like, man, I'm, I'm still recovered. Your body is still 
you know, recovering, your metabolism is ramped up because you're trying to recover from that two minute workout that you did. And so it's not just about what you're doing. It's the recovery afterwards. And so like if you're doing a long, slow cardio session, yeah, you might burn, you know, five, six, 700 calories in an hour, but then your body gets back to homeostasis very quickly and you're, you're back to your regular metabolism. Well, if you're hitting a really high, short, high intense workout, you might, it might take you eight, nine, 10 hours for your body to fully recover. And then that whole time your, your metabolism is higher than normal. But what we're, I'm not worried about calories burned in a specific day. What I'm worried about is you changing your body composition over a long period of time. We know that the more muscle you have, the faster your metabolism is going to be, just in your resting metabolism rate. So as your muscle mass increases, as you start changing your body composition, your metabolism is going to increase, and you're just going to burn more calories every single day throughout the day. So I'm not worried about how many calories you burn on a given day. I'm worried about you adding muscle um, over a long period of time because that's going to change your body composition and change your health. And so that's what we're trying to do. We want you to build muscle, and while you're doing that, you're going to start burning fat, and then over time your metabolism is just going to change and your body composition is going to change. And as that body fat percent decreases, your resting metabolic rate is going to increase, and then it's going to be easier for you to, to, to burn fat, and you're just going to change the type of body that you are that's why you see people who run for hours and hours and hours and weeks after weeks after weeks and their body doesn't really change a whole lot because all they're doing is just burning calories they're not building muscle and so what we want to do is build muscle and that's why you can change body people's body composition change their overall health and wellness and we know that the more muscle you have to a certain extent the more healthy you're going to be and that's what we are ultimately uh, concerned with is changing people's health um, over their lifespan, and we do that by adding muscle. You bring up an interesting point that a lot of the uh, folks, men and women inside of Coyote, that uh, jumped on the whoop train, uh, the thing that they're paying attention to the most there is the recovery. Yeah. Like how long is it going to take my body to recover before I can ask it to perform again? Mm-hmm. And a lot of those things that people experience as they're doing CrossFit, like, man, I, I did Fran three hours ago, and I'm still sweating. What's happening? Yeah. You know, that's your body trying to figure out, okay, we did that once and it's predicting if we did it once, we're probably going to have to do it again. Let's get ready. You know, so confusing your body just a little bit and being able to weather that too. And having that experience over time where that recovery or your body figuring things out, getting a little bit shorter, which means you can add to your volume Mm -hmm. so you can get to your goals even faster. That's a really cool part of the process. So the way that we're training, the things that we're doing and, and people focusing on the, on the wide too much on the wide and, you know, an interesting thing that I see a lot is uh, the underuse. You talked about this in the recovery, but the underuse of the green band inside of Coyote Fitness, mm-hmm. that could be such a critical part of you being able to reach your goal fa- goals faster. We mentioned it last episode. You get in there and you accomplish a front rack. Well, that's going to change every overhead movement yep. <laughs> that you do with a barbell. As you increase your mobility, you're going to be able to be more efficient, efficient with your movement, yeah. which is going to allow you to do more reps in a short amount of time, heavier weight in a short amount of time. Thus, you're going to be you know, building more muscle because your body, you're, you're, you're training yourself to go heavier. Thus you're changing your body composition. Thus you're getting healthier. Your body fat percent is going down. So ultimately by increasing your mobility, you're going to change your body composition because you're going to be able to do more work in less time and your body's going to to adapt to that quicker. So mobility is such a, 
a vital key to that. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on on the uh, on the training aspect was, um, you know, that we kind of touched on the what and the why we do things, but the how of, of how people attack workouts on a given day. And it's so important that you're reading, you know, the comments and reading and listening to your coach and, and understanding the intention of a given workout. And I try to put that in there every single day on this is how you should be picking what weight you're using or what skill you're doing. This is what this workout should feel like. This is more of a sprint workout and you should be going hard, or this is more of a longer steady workout or something in the middle. And it's important that you follow those stimulus because if you're constantly picking weights that are too heavy for you, you're not going to get the intended stimulus and you might get to the point where I don't feel like I'm getting a lot out of my workout. Well, yeah, that's because you're sitting there and, and looking at the barbell more than you're moving. Drinking a protein yeah. shake in the middle of a Metcon. Yeah, yeah. You should not be stopping and going and get water five times in a workout because your weight's too heavy or you're sitting down in, in the workout five times because you picked a too heavy weight. Pick a lighter weight and bump the intensity up. That's where the magic is going to happen. If you So reading, reading the notes, having a plan going in, listening to the coach, checking your ego at the door and realizing sometimes picking a lighter weight is going to be way more beneficial for you in the workout because you're going to be moving a lot faster. Your intensity is going to be higher. Your power output is going to be higher. You're going to get more work done in a less amount of time and your body's going to adapt as opposed to picking this weight because your buddy over there is picking this weight. You know, mm. Mm. That, that that's not what, what your buddy do, is doing in the workout is not relative to you and your fitness journey. Um, so being intentional about, all right, what, what, honestly, what, what is my goal? Is my goal to be fit and healthy for the rest of my life? Well, I need to be doing the majority fitness and performance workouts. I don't need to be trying to bump up and doing competition workouts when I ha- have no desire to compete. Um, that, that's, you're going to, like, if you're, you're doing the super heavy thruster weight and you're doing, trying to do ring muscle ups and you're doing them one at a time and you're hardly out of breath because you can't even get the work done. Um, you would be much more beneficial doing dropping the skill or the weight down and going really hard and um, hitting that workout hard. And then maybe you do want to get a ring muscle up just to be able to do one because you want to. We'll do that outside of class. You know, don't do it in the middle of the workout when the goal is to get you fitter. And so trying to be uh, cognizant of you know following the plan and and sticking to what the parameters of what the the intended workout stimulus was for that given workout. Now there is a time and a place every now and then to go a little bit more outside of your comfort zone. We did that yesterday and I when I was coaching the the heavy thrusters for Aladdin our Aladdin workout yesterday um and the bar muscle ups I told people this is a time to push it a little bit. Push yourself outside of the comfort zone. Go a little bit heavier than you normally do on the thrusters. It's okay if you have to break it more than you normally would. This is the time to kind of test and see where we're at, and um, then we can come back and do it again and see if we've made progress in this given area. But um, if you want to go a little bit heavier and kind of look at the bar a little bit longer, this is the time and place for that. Now, we do that once every couple of weeks or so. It's not every day. Every other day is more of like a training, like, let's, let's push ourselves, let's get the intended stimulus. And then, you know, whenever it's like a name workout, that's more of like a test. And that's kind of like, let's take the test. Let's see where we're at. And then we'll get back to training tomorrow. Yeah, get back to the rhythm. So on this podcast, we're talking about training in long form. I think it'd be good to wrap this segment by talking about it, how it plays out in short form. So a lot of this that you're talking about comes down to the time in front of the TV where the coach is being very intentional. So let's 
give our client base the cues of what's going on here. Mm -hmm. So the workout is being described, all portions of it. We're staring at the TV, so even that cue gives us this is everything that's going on today training based with weights and whatnot. And the coach goes through very methodically through all of those things. Mm-hmm. One of the worst things you can do to sabotage getting the intended stimulus of a workout is checking out during that, going to pick your bar up and get everything set up because you want to get the, the correct plates or whatever, or catching right. up, <laughs> catch it. I'm bad about this. I'll spend that time catching up with somebody who arrives a little bit late, but the coach is walking through that and they say a couple of things. They sometimes they'll use a phrase, Hey, this is what we're looking for in this workout. This mm-hmm. is a little bit high intensity. You may want to push this a little bit. We're looking for a sustained output of somewhere in that 85% range. What they're saying is, hey, this is going to be a little bit more of a sprint, right? Mm-hmm. The last thing the coach is going to do is look at the board and say, okay, average times today, we've got – this happened yesterday. We have everywhere from like four and a half minutes to ten minutes, depending. Mm-hmm. So you probably want to shoot for in your mind somewhere between six to eight. So that allows you to say, mm, okay, I've got six to eight minutes. There's this many rounds. i got to do this many reps. Me going for it for a thruster was – Yes, I need to sit right there at that challenging weight of 115 and see what I can do, right? So that TV time becomes really – when you're in the gym, that TV time becomes really important because the coaches uh, are being very intentional across all locations to use it exactly that way, sending those cues to the athletes, right? That's the one moment when the coach is able to coach everybody all at once. And so if you're checked out or not listening, like you're you're missing out on a lot of the coaching for that day. And if you're constantly checking out – at that point, like you're missing a lot of the benefits of class every single day because that's when they're conveying to you the intention of the workout. So you can then take that to your specific workout and make sure you're getting the most out of it. If you're missing that, you're, I guarantee you there's going to be workouts that you could have gotten more out of it by making a different choice with your weight or your skill or whatever or how you break things up because that's, that's the whole point of that specific moment in time is giving you a plan. And, you know, that's, that's, you're going to miss out on a, on a on a great solid plan that a lot of other people have already been through the workout so they can kind of help <clears throat> pass that on to you and if you're talking or setting up or whatever you're going to miss out on that yeah so last thing we can say i know we're running out of time but last thing we say this is pivotal for us in our culture uh just focusing on training having more training days than rest days mm-hmm. uh, so that that kind of uh yeah. speaking of plateau the three training days four rest days that's a pocket that traps a lot of people yep just move that needle four training days three rest days if you're trying to go three days a week you might go three days a week sometimes but other times you're going to go twice you know and then you end up averaging 2.2 workouts a week or something like that and i've it one of the beautiful things about us tracking attendance is I can go back and look and see how many times people have come. And a lot of times people will say, I don't want to come anymore. This, this doesn't really work for me. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, you coming 1.8 times a week is, is not going to work for anybody. You know, <laughs> Is that how you say it to yeah. them? <laughs> no. But I'll say, like, look, I'll, or they'll say, I'm not really making progress. And I'll say, all right, well, let's look at your attendance. You're coming 2.2 times a week. Like, that's not the that's not the prescription, yeah. and that's why no we, programs that good. Yeah, that's why we we stop doing the punch card. That's why we stop. We don't do a three day a week thing because we want people to get results, and that's setting people up to not get results. Um, they it might be more convenient for their life and they're traveling all over the place, whatever. But we're we're we want to help people who are going to be coming consistently and want to make progress. That's the type of people we want to help and serve, and we're not doing anybody a favor by 
you know, letting them come once or twice a week every now and then because that's not going to get them any progress. And so the fourth day is the tipping point. I, I always tell people this. Work out more days than you rest. Come four days a week. Rest three days. Come five days a week. Rest two. Come six days. Rest one. If you come four, five, six days a week, every single week, 52 weeks a year, I promise you you're going to make progress. That's why we do, you know, finish the year with the 50 workout challenge because you got to come four days a week for 13 weeks to get 50 workouts in. And it's hard when Thanksgiving and Christmas come along. And so that's, it's a great way for people to really see over three months. If I come four days a week, I can make a lot of progress, even though I'm eating like crap when Thanksgiving and eating like crap and Christmas <laughs> and doing all this other stuff, I can still maintain or even make progress by just showing up at least four days a week. Yeah. Trust the process. Everyone mm-hmm. is working. You guys have been at this long enough inside the Cody world. Yeah. It is working. You're giving people results and changing their lives. So the people who are listening now who are like, man, I don't know. Can I do this? Should I, do I have enough room in my life? Let the promise of results drive you to change some of those, some of your training habits. Four hours a week. That's all you need. Four hours a week. Out of how many, how many hours are in a week? More than four. (laughs) (laughs) Way more than that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I love it. Training. So next episode, we move into something a little bit more difficult, not to wrap your mind around, but to to have changes in how you go about it, and that's diet. So I'll be mm-hmm. next episode. Uh, where are we headed next? You know where we're going. Outside the box, man. Just gonna keep climbing up keys until I was going for reverb. Like I f- maybe we could catch that little. Atmosphere. Oh, it'll definitely be there. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. This one's for the real nerds out there. Real nerds. Yep. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hunter's already grimacing. Our viewership just dropped. <laughs> That's all right. It's a great question. And it's a podcast. There is no viewership. <laughs> great. Uh, <laughs> all right. My original plan, like I was, telling, I was telling you guys off mic, was to come up with like this rapid fire situation where I'm just cranking out questions and stuff and yada, yada, yada. Uh-huh. But the more I dove into it, the more – the kicker was that the one for next episode – I'm probably going to give you guys in advance so you can study. Okay. It, it's, All right. It's good. All right, okay. It's really good. Um, this one, not as good, but still pretty good and worthy of its own outside the box, I think, given that we're all uh, history men. We're about to prove that we're not just a bunch of pretty faces. That's what we're out for. We yep. have a brain, and we know how to use it. Yeah. Although I am good looking. My brain's yeah. up here. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Up here. Up here. <laughs> Quit looking at my great smile. All right. The one and only question, question in all questions. Akin to last episode in its construct. I, I definitely have a very a strict vein mm-hmm. that I seem to uh, stick it, with. It's going to lead to much different results, though. Correct. All right. So here's the situation. I'm setting the mood. Is that, should I say it like, yeah. I don't know. I felt a little creepy, but go ahead. That's all right. Uh, you have been blessed with the privilege of going on a... Uh, a trip to end all trips. You're visiting every country in the world. All right. And you have as much time as you want to do it. I guess within reason. You know, I mean, don't. Well, take, it's going to take a while, is what you're saying. For sure it will. But I mean, you're probably, you, you get like, what, a week, week and a half at each location to just kind of really feel it out and then you get to move on. Yeah. Some countries are very close together. So yeah. not a lot of. Time. And you get to, you're probably going to skip America. Yeah. Cause we, you've been there. Yeah. And it's, too, it's just so large. Yeah. Not much to Russia. So there's a way to do this. <laughs> Uh, all right. 
you, so you're doing this trip, all right? Much time as you need, money's not a factor, yada, yada, yada. You don't have to, like, run a marathon in every country or no, any of that. No, no, we're not. Just for pleasure. This is no Forrest Gump. Uh, you get to take three famous historical figures, okay? Now, famous is loose. Yes. Because, so, like, some of mine were just famous in their time. Like, oh, yeah, they were of course. very well known back then. Yes. All right. Uh, and if you're, if you are a history person, you may, you probably know who mine are, but most people won't. All right. So you're taking three of them. All right. It's purely trying to maximize the enjoyment of your trip. All right. So they all have to be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to think about things like, uh, language barriers, uh, I don't know, maybe political takes. Like you know, they're, they're a little racist. You mm. may not want them. Yeah, like, ugh. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll okay. see what you come up with. Yeah. Who, who's first? Well, the order last time was you, me, Hunter. I, I think it worked. Yeah, that's, that's good. good yeah. I guess I did come up with the question. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Even though mine are the best, I guess I'll go first. To be determined. Spoiler alert, they're all British. <laughs> <laughs> of course. No Canadians? Uh, these are all Canada didn't exist yet. Uh, kind of. Uh, all right, number one. All right, and these are in no particular order. These are the way I found them. Okay. Number one, James Cook. You might know who James Cook is. I thought you were about to say James Bond. I got excited. James uh, Cook. Okay, no. go he, ahead. I w- as far as I know, James Bond is not real. TBD. Okay. Yes. Uh, James Cook, famous, famous, famous voyager explorer. Uh, Navy man, uh, he gained some notoriety, I think, in the battle, the Seven Years' War between France and England in Canada. <laughs> um, and so, because he ha- had a little bit of notoriety from that war, you kind of just get put in this position of privilege when it comes to being a captain. Gotcha. I think he's a captain. Yeah. Uh, so he gets access to these uh, exploration trips to mainly the Pacific. But he also did uh, a little bit of Canada, um, but a large part. So my thought process was when I get to the Pacific Islands and a little bit of Asia and Australia and stuff, I wanted somebody that's been there, all right, and I could ask questions they about. the lay of the land. Yep. Uh, I, if I have 18th century-based questions, because that's the whole reason I'm doing these trips. Yep. He's going to have some answers that most history books aren't. You don't need Google. You got this guy. I got the Google machine right there. With you. Yep. Okay. Uh, There's no Google machine without James Cook. Number two. (laughs) This is an easy pick, and this is the one I thought we were going to overlap Overlap. Okay. I I may be disappointed in myself. Winston Churchill. Oh, I thought about him. Very cultured guy. All right. So many people hated him. I think once he's outside of wartime... I feel like he's got to be at least a decent hang. Okay, so you're a taking like <laughs> you're taking the take a bath and paint a painting, Winston. Yeah, cigars. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah. Like some brown colored, wildly entertaining liquid. character. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, more eccentric than you would exactly, think because yes. he was such a great military leader. That's not usually the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I trust his uh, world culture opinion. I would I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I th- a keen eye for detail as a re- you know started as a writer reporter kind of thing and so. and a man of history so he's probably going to be interested in things the same way I'm going to be interested in them and that I want to find the oldest building here and go see it and that's the fun <laughs> right and then at the end of the day when you're sitting around with Winston 
he's going to be fascinated by how things have turned out. Yes. Because it's modern day travel. Correct. Right? You're going this year. And you're going to have to listen to him every night say, I knew it. Uh-huh. But the reasons why he knew it would be pretty interesting. Like, yeah. I knew this was going to turn out this way. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting point. I didn't mm. think about that. Mm. Well, yeah. I thought about all those things, and he still didn't make my list. So, yeah. Well, it's hard being a lesser man. <laughs> uh, all right, last one. Easily the most obscure, but I think the best choice. All right. The man's name is Sir Richard Francis Burton, another Englishman. Yes. As I promised. I've heard of this man. So. Richard Francis Burton is said uh, to have spoken 29 European, Asian, and African languages and has visited all three of the continents. All right. Uh, was also uh, very renowned for doing a lot of Amer- the Americas exploration. Mm-hmm. Very smart man. He's re- responsible for uh, the translations and printings of many different famous uh, books and readings uh, from different languages and bringing them to English. A very cultured guy. Uh, when was he alive? He was born 1821, died 1890. So imagine what he would be able to accomplish on this trip with ease of travel. Correct. Like, it's just easy. Yeah. We don't have to worry about dying of, you know, dysentery or right. something. And if I have a question of, like, I'm thinking about visiting this such and such, you know, former fort and wherever norway he's probably gonna be able to say that's not worth seeing i uh I, that's a bad idea right yeah. and, he, and he would also say hey whatever you do do not shake with your right hand in this country oh yes yeah didn't even guy. think about that it's that guy yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so this is just kind of like ace in the hole kind of uh he may be uh a turd I don't know. I don't know anything <laughs> somebody about somebody that smart there's a high probability it's gotta be right yeah. but you know i got winston with me James Cook's a confident man. Surely he'll know his place eventually, and I won't have to do the brunt of yeah. that. Hey, you're the language guy. Yeah. Stay in your lane. Exactly. <laughs> Winston would tell this guy to stay in his lane. Yeah. I like it. Great. Okay. You know what this list really shows is your lack of ego, I think. <laughs> me? Yeah. Really? Yeah, because I was thinking if I'm going around the world, I'm going to have some people with me, and we're going to get some attention. <laughs> yeah, that was part of my thing, you know, because I think if, if you draw attention in particular ways, this – Travel becomes way easier and yeah. much less expensive. Mm. Yeah, because you. I mean, we didn't talk about money, but still, I mean, whoever's funding this, uh, especially if it's me. So I think those are solid choices for Thanks. very non ego driven, logical, analytical reasons. Thank you very much. Yeah, my list is going to be very different. Good. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to start, I, and I should just uh, caveat: I don't know these men. Okay, so this is total shot in the dark. Great. Uh, so um, my first person is Prince William. Who's that? Modern day. He's British. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Uh-oh. Yeah. But um, he's like the, he's the brother who's the family loyalist. Yeah. He's also very closely associated as far as... The balding one? Yes. As far as the Americans are concerned, he's like the male version of his mother. You know, so very mm. endearing and knows well-liked. how to... Well-liked. Knows how to be a dignitary. And you have the whole colonization thing, which is probably a dark spot in the, in the world's history. But this guy has traveled a lot of the world, yep. also ha- was raised with family traveling a lot of the world. So I'm going to get a lot of knowledge about what to do when I land wherever. I'm also going to get uh, proximity to notoriety, mm. which means I'm not going to have like an average meal at yeah. these places. I'm going to have a really great meal. Quick question. 
And this is a very Ben specific question. Yeah, yeah. Why William over Charles? Um, he just seems more predictable. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't need a guy who's like he's really unpredictable. He may just leave the trip. You know what I mean? Yeah. Prince William's going to see the see the thing through. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so um, yeah, so we had, I probably shouldn't chase that rabbit any longer. So Prince William, uh, you know, modern modern day guy, and you also have kind of the the age. You know, there's not this really big age barrier, which is going to come into play. That's fair. I was definitely the vastly the youngest on my trip. Yeah. So if, if you know, if you're like, hey man, Uber, get us an Uber for the, they're going to be like, what? So you're going to have to explain a lot of modern stuff to the people on your list. Mm. Okay. Uh, for similar reasons, I'm going to uh, want to go with Bono. I want Bono to be there because this Bono. guy, he has done so much good around the world. Is he Irish? Uh, yes, yes. Look at you. <laughs> so, man. So much good around the world, um, instantly recognized. Okay, This is going to become a problem as the trip wears on, but initially it's going to be very fun, mm. right? I also think that um, Bono's going to be very good at entertaining Prince William because they can, you know, they're kind of from over there. They can talk about things yeah, and yep. doing good across the world. And what about this crisis? And how would you solve this politically? I want Bono for all the good reasons, but I don't want his... Um, political agenda to occupy all of my time. I say, what if you get roped into some humanitarian stuff that you really just weren't interested in doing that day? Uh, I think that'd be cool because I'm like, it's Bono, sure, I'm going to do it because I also feel about Bono. Once the trip is over, he would invite me to his house or something. Uh, so friends. there's, yeah, there's some Prince William. No way, we're on the trip. I did the thing. I don't, I don't associate with commoners. Bono, I think probably. Uh, would invite me to his house and give me a pair of his sunglasses just because he's that kind of guy. Mm. Seen enough interviews with him, all right? So those are my dead ringers of like, they're going to pave the way. I'm a nobody, but I'm traveling with two somebodies, okay. all right, generally. The last one is strictly because uh, I want multi-level reasons for being on this trip because I'm not a world traveler. So yeah. eventually I'm going to get really fatigued, like country seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't say eventually, like, man, I'm just not in this anymore. So I'm going to invite along Abraham Lincoln because I'm fascinated by this man and the decisions that he made, the way he wrote a speech. And I think he would have a lot to teach me uh, over the course of this journey. I would be a much different – and these other men would do the same. But I think Abraham Lincoln, I would walk away from this trip a very different man. And I would be grateful for have uh, had the time, for having the time with him. Mm. Also, I know from reading a lot about him is that he was uh, intensely melancholy. Um, which could be trouble on the trip, but also could be reason for me to like hang back and not have to go get a Euro with Bono in the middle of Athens and fight all that stuff. I could say, Hey guys, I'm going to hang back with Abe. He's a little down, you know, and we could like smoke a pipe and just, you know, be blue together, which I think would be important for me on a trip this long. Yeah. You want during this really happy time. You want to make sure you have the appropriate amount of sadness. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. And imagine walking up to like, uh, I don't know, you wouldn't skip America if you had Abraham Lincoln. That's but fair, you, yeah. you walk up and you're like, hey, man, they built a big statue of you. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Probably, you think he would like it, though? Uh, may, maybe not. But I'd say, let's go over to the White House. It's a much different place than when you were. And surely they'd let him in. Surely. And Bono and Prince William. I mean, I'm walking into the Oval Office, no problem. Is his head put back together? Yes, oh, yeah. Okay. So they are not. Yeah, he would it's not, not have freaking out every time. Yeah, he wouldn't be copper because the bullet has completely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's an honest question. Yeah, yeah. that would be difficult to travel with a guy who was shot in the head. Yeah, yeah. 
Although smaller bullets back then, so maybe it didn't that's do true. So much. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know the point of entry. So that's my list. You got <laughs> Prince William, uh, Bono, and Abraham Lincoln. That's my trio. Do you know where Abraham Lincoln's buried? He was buried a few places actually because people kept stealing his body. Whoa! Yes, there's a whole book about it. Oh, cool. They didn't believe he was dead, so they would they would exhume him, and then it turned into a thing. Like, can we get in there and steal Lincoln's body and move it to a different place? So do we not know where it is now, or is it just guarded all the time? No, no, we, we know where it is. It's guarded, yeah. The, yeah. the last exhuming proved that it was him. Oh, There's a book called, let's just recommend it, Stealing Lincoln's Body. It's a, it's a book. It's a really short Very read. overt title. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What should we call this book? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Hunter, you're up. You better have an all-star list. I went a little bit different direction than you guys did, but I think it, I think it'll work out. I'm going to predict Mark McGuire is on this list. <laughs> Mark <laughs> McGuire. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, so uh, he's got the stuff to keep us going. I went pretty. Right. I went pretty historical, so uh, a little bit farther back than I think you guys did. Okay. Um, first, I went with uh, William Shakespeare. William Shakespeare for mm-hmm. a little entertainment. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Assuming it was one man. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna assume that. Okay, all right. great. <laughs> so I figure he could uh, he could entertain us with some 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 good stories while we went we're along our journey. Interesting. Uh, it'd be interesting to uh, try to try to understand what he was saying with his uh, old English uh, way of talking. Mm-hmm. So uh, William Shakespeare's first, second was Mark Twain for uh, comedic. Uh, Wow, that's a good choice. He's taking storytellers along on this yeah, journey. Yeah, I like, I like it. Yeah, I like I, it. I figure we could figure uh, figure the the places out as all we the go. other stuff. Yeah, is like, we yeah. could figure all that out. Those but are thinking, two smart guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Mark Twain for uh, entertainment, comedic value. He's a hilarious guy. Had a lot of a lot of uh, good one liners and just a funny guy all around. So I figure that would be uh, two two fun guys to just hang around with a lot. Like an Edgar Allan Poe to keep it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to keep, to keep it. Dark, you gotta man. have some melancholy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the last one with uh, Marcus Aurelius, the uh, Roman emperor, the uh, I think Stoic he went emperor. Oldest there, yeah, instantly. yeah. So uh, I figure he he could. Uh, you gonna learn Latin? Uh, he could teach it to me. I guess he's I probably know. smart enough to learn not Latin. Yeah, <laughs> he would. Uh, but he could. Uh, he could um, help 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 keep us grounded and help keep us uh, our Stoic uh, side of things. Um, what if all three of those guys? What if all three of those guys wrote one book over the course of this trip, and that was gifted to the world? Marcus Aurelius was like two or three hundred AD. He was uh, the last of the uh, the good Roman emperors before no, the uh, no. Oh, AD, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. One twenty-one. Mar- 180. Marcus Aurelius, uh, Twain, and Shakespeare all combined over the course of, and, and you would probably write the you know the forward or something, or what's on yeah, the I inside would, of the yeah. jacket. Yeah. We, I mean, we'll give you some cred there, uh, but these guys put together. That would be the ultimate story. It would be. I guess it would be the story. What a trip. Yeah, it would be like, uh, you have to think it kind of be like Ryan Holiday. Like, we're telling a story, and then there's one chapter where Mark is like, you've got to get all this entertainment out of here. These people need to know the truth, you know. That's uh, that's fascinating. You pick the storyteller. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. I think it'd be quite the trip, quite the journey. Dost dost thou service any... (laughs) Dost thou service tonic water? (laughs) I tell you what, uh, vast majority, high percentage majority is uh, British Empire people. Seems like colonization worked. It was a dominant empire. Yeah, Yeah, well, I mean, you know, also very telling that there were no females on our lists. That's that's interesting. I don't think it made logistical sense. My wife wouldn't appreciate me taking Cleopatra. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Good point. Man, I forgot I was married there for a minute. <laughs> that, that happened on the podcast and not somewhere else, right? Yeah, like in private. <laughs> Trip around the world. Yeah, I'm going to travel with three dudes. Uh, wife, like, stay calm. <laughs> <laughs> she totally listens. Yeah, exactly. All right, recommends. We got some recommends for today. I got one. And this is another dark TV show, but this one is uh, not Hunter, quite. Are you doing okay? Not quite as dark. It's just uh, it's just what's out right now. Are you okay. afraid of the dark? It's uh, it's not as dark as the other one. It's just more of a, like a dark comedy, but it's called Succession. It's on HBO. Have you guys heard of that? No, I just started C on HBO though. Isn't that have what you it's heard called? of Succession? Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. So uh, basically, it's a show about a family. There's like a mogul conglomerate company. They own a company, cute, like, uber-rich company. And uh, the dad is getting old, so they're trying to figure out who's going to take over the company. They have four kids, and it becomes like this battle for the company. There's two seasons so far. It is uh, – I watched the first season when it came out, and I was I liked it, but I didn't really get that into it. And then so I quit watching it. And then we went back and watched it with my wife the first and the second season. I really liked it a lot better the second time through. And uh, it's – it's definitely dark HBO type, but man, it's you the know characters what you're are fascinating. Into. Yeah, yeah it's, you know the characters are fascinating, and uh, the story just just gets really good. Season three is about to start, um, so if you like, I mean, if you like HBO shows, you're going to really like Succession. Are there notable people in it, or is it kind of a no? No, um, the the dad. Uh, I mean, he's you would recognize him, but um, oh, uh, Kieran Culkin's in it. Uh, Macaulay Culkin's brother. Oh. He's hilarious. He is. He's one of the sons, and he's just like the son that like uh, is the, the prototypical like you know like just spoiled rotten doesn't you know just gets by on his name and and wealth and all this stuff. But he is really really funny in that. So he's show, playing so. his brother, is what you're saying. Yeah, something interesting. Like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, close but, up uh, study. It's a it's a really good show. I I'd, I'd recommend it if you like that kind of stuff. That's interesting, you know, because you're breaking your rules about jumping in on a show early on, you, you know, investing time in it. I think it's probably from the way you're describing it. You just know that HBO puts out quality stuff. You don't have to worry about it. The you know the Game of Thrones. Yeah, thing. HBO. I'm always willing to uh, to to take a shot at because most of their stuff is good. But this is one of those. I mean, um, yeah, there's been two seasons so far. They're definitely going to be season three, and it's it's good. Okay, I'm going to follow that up with a recommend of of my own, and it, this is like the Abraham Lincoln of recommends. Yeah. For binge watching. Okay. It's super old. My position is, and I may be wrong about this, but my position is it holds up. Lost. <laughs> no. No, that show frustrated me so much. <laughs> uh, I am three, season, three seasons in, and there are, I believe, 15 seasons oh. of this show. Okay. Uh, and having watched it, you know, a lot, and there are a lot of episodes every season as well. Like you're talking about getting up into the 20s for seasons one, two, and three. So you have ample material to consume. ER. I've started um, watching ER uh, again. Old Clooney. Yeah, I saw it in parts, you know, because uh, um, I was a teenager when that was starting to hit, and you know, all the moms had it on on Thursday night in the living room. And, uh, but I think it really holds up not only as character development, but also as a medical drama. And having seen a lot of Grey's Anatomy, I can. It's interesting to watch the parallels there mm-hmm. of what uh, what's her name Rhymes that wrote Grey's Anatomy. Uh, Shonda Rhimes. Sh- Shonda Rhimes. I don't know if she would claim this was an influence, but there are so many things that Grey's Anatomy does that ER did first. Well, there's not many shows. I don't. Are there any shows like ER that precede ER? 
Um, like the major no, health I don't think drama? so. No, well, they kind of trended towards like daytime television stuff. Oh. They were less like gritty medical drama, putting in chest oh, tubes and all okay. that. Uh, but if you're into character development and you remember the 90s, but you want to understand them just a little bit more and to see how TV is Pre OJ. Yeah. And, and even if you're <laughs> RIP Norm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, pre-OJ. Even if you're into, there's a lot of people that investigate, like the movie, uh, was it 1917 that was filmed? Great. From one, yeah. Great ER kind of, I would say in the TV world, pioneered a lot of the that. The one-shot stuff. The one-shot stuff and the actors and actresses on these shows that had to keep a shot going mm. with all that medical language, making sure that people are getting in and out of the ER and the blood, all the stuff. It's a, mm. it's a good watch. I will put it in. It's like one layer up from watching The Office. Like you can have The Office going in the background while you're cooking and it's still funny and you can consume it a little bit. ER is kind of like we're going to watch an episode to the end of the, end of the day. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty entertaining. Mm. So right now in episode three, uh, interestingly enough, they're really addressing the AIDS crisis. Oh. In the U.S., which, I mean, apparently has been cured because no one's talking about it anymore, right? Yeah, but I during, think so. During this time, it was like, whoa, AIDS is killing a lot of people, and we're going to talk about it on television. It's, yeah. I don't know. They just they had to be more subtle with how they addressed cultural issues, which I appreciate. So You're in season one, you said? No, I'm in season three now. What are you so watching on? started yesterday. Oh, good point. Uh, you could fall into a money pit here because they charge you on a lot of streaming services, but Hulu secured the rights. So if you have a Hulu subscription, which a lot of people have well, now. Well, Hulu does the joint thing with Disney and ESPN. Exactly. They have a lot because of the sports, and uh, you can Amazon it would cost you like your life savings to watch 15 seasons. But Hulu, <laughs> Hulu is like you pay your monthly fee. There's 15 fee. seasons? Yeah, 15 seasons. And I, I think the episode average in these three seasons I've watched so far is 21 or 22. And they're how, an hour long? 48, 46 minutes. That's, that's quite a commitment there. Yeah, uh, Surely you can give up by like season nine. No, they change the character so much. You know, it's like the earth, wind, and fire of medical dramas because like, you never know who's going to be in the band. So are you going to watch all 15 seasons? I mean, probably, yeah, probably, because it's not like I sit there and watch every single night, but if I'm looking for something to watch and just want to kind of veg out. How many episodes are there? In each season, like 21, something like that. Hunter's doing math. He's how many hours? 300-something episodes times 48. Yeah, but it's a... 220 hours. Yeah, it's a medical drama, though. I mean, it's not like you're watching, oh, are they going to fall in love or not? You're devoting almost 10 days of your life to watching this show. No problem. (laughs) I've done worse things for more time. (laughs) Exactly. It's not for everybody. Looking at you, high school sports. Yeah, but... (laughs) Looking at you, Raider weight room. (laughs) So that's, that's my recommend. It is not quite as dark, so... All right, mine's quick and to the point. Go in... Spotify. First off, switch to Spotify if you're still oh, on Apple. Come on, every I assume that for our listening audience that they're yeah. already there. Uh, second off, go to the search bar, type in Malcolm Gladwell, hit enter, and we'll listen to everything on there. Goodbye, See you everybody. Next time.
the silky smooth sounds.